1: We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 47. My name is Suns Fan, joined by Sinner. We have a very special guest today. But first, before we get to him, we're going to have to give a big shout out to our in-brouched here Patreon supporters. We got underscore man, Ben Broomhead. <laughs> <laughs> Blaze Sausnek. <laughs> <Sosnake, laughs> any you
0: wanted, Shannon.
1: <laughs> yes. Sosnake, <laughs> Pizda DG Dyslexic Lawyer Fane GG Gamer74 Anonymous Milos Gavrilovic, Nived, Rajagopal, I don't know how to say the last part now Pitch Black Ronnie Keel Terry Tip The Coward Fellowship of the Ping Vincent Moore and wooden aftertaste that is a name right there anywho thank you my guys favorite for supporting underscore man. the podcast yeah, underscore man is the best actually uh, we are joined today by somebody you guys might not have expected to be on the podcast but I was really excited to have him on uh, Rod how do you say your last name is it Breslau
2: you got it you are the first person man. in these words to get
1: Rod Breslau aka Slasher how are you doing my friend
2: Good. How are you two doing? Oh, just good.
1: terrific. Yeah. I don't know, care about children, but
0: you know. Okay. He's good. I so, mean,
2: I'm here in New York, uh, nothing's nothing big is going on. It's all <laughs> kind of normal here.
1: Yeah, how bad is it actually right now in New York?
2: Um pretty bad, you know, with everybody dying and all. Um mm-hmm. not not the best. Uh personally, I'm a gamer, so my life hasn't really changed from before coronavirus and after um mm. because i don't have a social life and i don't go outside and i play games all day um so again nothing's really changed too much but in general uh it's kind of insane here yeah
1: yeah i've heard what is it new york um seattle and i think new orleans are maybe the top three uh, in the u.s at least yeah.
2: um yeah okay so uh, for you really big countries yeah i mean finally we can say na number one right <laughs>
1: Yeah, NA is definitely <laughs> number one for something. Uh, Rod, can you give people a synopsis of who the fuck you are? Because I know a lot of people in the Dota scene will not know who you are. But the reason that you, well, talk about what you've done um, recently, maybe. And then we can get into like some of your early life stuff.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, if, you're, if you're from the Dota scene, you might remember me running after Dendi at TI3 after they won. Wa- the finals to Alliance and I chased him back to his hotel doing an interview as we walked across the street and I looked like a complete fucking asshole. So some people (laughs) might remember that. Please don't go Google that video. It's still online. Do not watch that. Of course, they won't listen to that now. Uh, And I've just generally been in esports for damn, almost 20 years now, Um, either playing games and early on from watching. I've been um, competing in Quake. That's where I come from as my home. And I did that for a number of years growing up, and I transitioned into writing and covering about the scene, Quake mainly. That being again my community and, and my home growing up. And I was really in mainly just the Quake scene for over ten years, um, and then since then I branched out into you know Counter Strike, which was always kind of the, the sister game to Quake. I will call it not the, not the big brother. We're not going to go with that <laughs> narrative anytime here
1: interesting take <laughs> <Okay>. and uh
2: <laughs> and that is kind of just expanded into covering you know, all types of esports and competitive gaming especially as this whole industry has grown um into much more than just uh, professional gaming
0: so what would you say is your primary line of work right now like what what do you do um, the most
2: i do actually do consulting well i mainly okay. shit post on twitter uh, that is gotcha. the, the, that is a
0: I, career I mean, nowadays. Exactly. That is the
2: main thing that I am usually doing. Uh if you ever asking like where you know slash you're from, it's probably going to be uh, that specific thing. Has anybody um,
1: asked you to do their social media for like a company or something? I mean like, <laughs> I feel I used like you've to run, really figured it out, you know.
2: I I I used to run like MLG social media for a mm. number of years and I have consulted other <laughs> And then other they stopped posting. Uh they also died. They don't no want <laughs> exist. So uh <laughs> not correlated yeah, you know? though, I don't.
0: <laughs> That's a great track record. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs>
2: hey, so I, I, they were they were going great. Okay, when I had left, <laughs> StarCraft Two was just on the way down. I felt like that was a good time to probably part ways. Wait, was that ever up? Okay, we'll
1: we'll talk about StarCraft a bit later. Um, I I do want to say, obviously, you you've been on TV recently, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. But first, before we get started, this is the initiation period uh slasher do you like rod or slasher what do you prefer uh you either one all right rod great um i used to have mm-hmm. a somebody <laughs> in my old dorm room <laughs> in college normally, at named name rod he would sleep in our room for some reason like he was homeless but he wasn't actually homeless he was really rich it was very odd that's a story for okay. another time cool all right we we're gonna
2: now. go with slasher now okay slasher <laughs> yeah uh, now after that story we're gonna go with so
1: slasher, yeah. i'm gonna say a two options and you give me which option and i'm going to do something different and i'm going to tell you if you're correct or not all right okay csgo or
2: 1.6 1.6
1: correct overwatch 1 or overwatch 2 neither damn you're good 2 for 2 dota 2 or league of legends
2: oh uh boy. dota 1
1: <laughs> all right i'll accept that cake or pie uh, definitely cake. All right, man. That, that's four for four. That's legit. Even I the to one reference. That, you, you already won the episode. Yeah. Congratulations. We're done, actually. Damn. Thanks for coming. That was that's sick. Hey,
2: okay. I could, right. I could have an extension on number three. You know, uh, All mobas are bad. I play shooty, shooty game. I only shooty, shooty people <laughs> in the head, okay? I don't play that moba fucking pussy bullshit. No well, Dota, no MOBA, right, no League, no fucking Heroes of Storm, no Heroes of Newer, none of that shit. Get that, get all that shit out of here. None so of Strife, none, you, you, none of it. I don't want any. of You none definitely
1: of it. at least played Dota a bit, right, back in the day when it first no, came out. No, I
2: played a real man's fucking game. I played StarCraft, Brood War for mm-hmm. many years. Real man. One, I came into gaming playing <laughs> Warcraft two one v one. That's how I, I really like encountered online gaming playing over TCP IP. And no, I wasn't a bitch. I didn't go play the fucking the five V five mode in custom games. No, only the pussies did that. But you couldn't win one V one. You went to go play TGH hunters, or you went to go play that other map, I forget. And then you went to go play. Sheep uh, tag. Yeah, that Dude, I love BGH. BGH was Yeah, you would.
0: Damn. Slash, you were off to a good start, mm. and I kind of just insulted ninety five percent of our listeners, <laughs> so
1: that's his that's what he does this this is gonna Working make a good title intended. excellent yeah this will be a good title <laughs> all right tell us about uh just briefly uh your early life, how you got into gaming um i mean kind of reference quake obviously, so talk about that a bit
2: yeah sure um I don't know like I have been playing games ever since I was like a small kid i had a Nintendo since I was, I think, like three or four years old. So I've been playing, you know, like Mario and Tetris um, from a very young age. And I've always been around video games. I had a, um, a Mac 2CE, an Apple 2CE, which is a wow. really, really old uh, Macintosh computer. Um, and I got introduced to, you know, games from pretty young on both a uh, console portion, which was Nintendo. And then I got like the whole PC experience, even though I had Macs um for the most time growing up and i kind of you know like you had my console portion so i ended up playing like a lot of fighting games and street fighter um and like you know legend of zelda and Super mana like rpgs and you know the whole thing with you know consoles and then on pc side um i got to experience like i don't know like sim city and like early civilizations i remember playing civ, civ 1 oh, in- civ 2 yeah, Civ 1 and Sib 2. I think I played it in like elementary school after after class, middle school. No, it was like it was before. So we were playing that a lot and then um that kind of went into Doom, which was my first experience of playing like something online. I had another friend who had a PC and he I went to school with him. So I would go to um, his apartment and we had a third friend who also went to school and he had doom and then we played doom against each other in TCP IP and I don't know 1996 or something. Um, and that was kind of like my first experience like playing games online and then that um, developed into Warcraft 2 which is how I just mentioned my my long rant um, where I got into like RTS games and I spent so many hours and like years playing Warcraft 2 and just like screwing around with the map editor and Warcraft 2. And then also playing uh, Warcraft 2 and 2 TCP IP, and then Kali, which was like the first kind of online matchmaking service before like BattleNet existed, before Blizzard did anything there. And so I got to like have my first, you know, kind of like shit talking people online and people being all <laughs> mad at each other from like a pretty early, early age. Um, it shaped you. Yeah, that's you know, where, it, it uh, really That's where did. the
1: duping of be, uh, pretending to be female came from right i believe warcraft 2 chat rooms and it got really popular in starcraft battle net
2: yeah i was a 14 year old girl then and i am still a 14 year old Perfect. girl now
1: great thank you for confirming that um yeah so how did you so you went in, you got into quake t- talk about like the yeah, quake uh, fps years
2: okay yeah so i was like, like blizzard really was like my favorite company and the all the games that i played the most so after playing warcraft i mean i played doom so i already had the id software experience but so i had doom and warcraft so blizzard and id were already like my favorite company but my most of my time online was still in the warcraft 2 and i bought starcraft right after and that was where i really first experienced everything online I got into Battle.net. Um, I was in the first ever Macintosh gaming clan of all time because I had a Macintosh and there were only like five of us in the world (laughs) who fucking played games on a goddamn Apple computer. So we formed a clan called Mac with a big small M, big A, small C. Um, And we had, had, yeah, I know, right? We own like the Mac channel on Battle.net. And that's how I got into learning, like not only playing games, but how to like war in channels and take over channels when the server split back then. I don't know if you guys remember this stuff. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, so like I
2: remember, I remember learning how to like take over battle channels and try to like hack into like accounts or whatever, along with like playing. Uh, so I ended up playing like brood war and Starcraft for two or three years and I was okay at one v one, but I, I quickly learned that I was pretty bad comparatively. I didn't know if the whole like Korean Starcraft scene existed really then. Like I knew, like I heard about it a little bit, but I didn't really have full knowledge. Um, And then I was finally introduced to Quake in like early 2000 or so. I had already skipped Quake World because I spent all my time playing uh, StarCraft. So I ended up starting with Quake 2. And if anyone knows the Quake franchises, that is probably the worst game of the three that were played back then. Quake World uh, and Quake 1 was the original. And everyone that was really good played either NetQuake or Quake World. Then Quake 2 came out, and it was like the shitty version of Quake. <laughs> and then a year and a half later, Quake 3 came out, and that was like God Quake. And then every real pro player you know, all the famous people that you know now played Quake 3. I was the stubborn one that thought that my game, which is objectively the worst game, when we came back on <laughs> it, was the best game.
1: That's the only one and I played I, was Quake 2. So. was
2: Quake 2? Oh, so you understand.
1: Yeah. You you understand. I
2: liked it. Uh, and I ended up playing that for like 10 years. Almost 10 years. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ, that is quite a while. Yeah, I so jumped like, ship I did, to half like a year later. No, I wouldn't go to Quake 3. Like, almost all of my friends went to Quake 3. Everyone that I knew in the community went to Quake 3. I was stubborn and only wanted to play Quake. And so right, who did you the- play
0: with if everybody left?
2: um so this is like do you have a
0: five-man clan called mac or something
2: uh and well no so (laughs) the scene as you say everyone was going to quake 3 and it was already like quake 2 was kind of old so the game really was dying and we really did have no scene so i ended up starting uh team usa and we were (laughs) we were the first ever american team on clan base. Uh, if you remember Clan base, it was the really old European league before ESL. Oh, existed, yeah, sounds familiar, yeah. Which had like all of like the early UT teams and CS teams. They had like the Euro Cup finals, which was like the first ever like video game esports land in Europe before like EXL. Mm-hmm. So we because our scene died, we had no more leagues or teams to play. We had OGL here in America. OGL was where all the American Quake players and C S players played before Cal took over for Counter Strike and all that. So we had no players, so I needed to form Team USA. I gathered up the best players in America um, who were still playing Quake 2 Capture the Flag, which was like the main game mode and game that I played. And I was pretty good at that time. Um, probably one of the best players, at least in the country. For, for So I was the IGL. I picked the whole roster, and we ended up playing um, Europeans for like the next two to three years, where we played on 120 ping all the time. <laughs> they never played two server. Um, and I got to like first learn about like the world through playing Quake 2 Capture the Flag on clan because that's how I met like all Dutch people, German people, English, the French, the Norwegians, the Swedes, Poles. Um, and I got to learn really early on how cool people from the Nordic regions were. They were the only teams of players True. to because on clan base, because <laughs> we were the only American team on clan base, they weren't used to this. So, they forced us to play in European servers every match. And the only way we could play two server was if the other team agreed to play one game on American server. Uh, Mm -hmm. The only teams that were to agree to play two server were the Swedes, the Norwegians, and the Finns. And they had the worst ping because they're more east to America than like all of Western. All the Western European countries, including England and France and Germany and Dutch, all those teams who might ping, I don't know, 90 to New York City, they all fucking refused. They all whined. They all cried like bitches and babies all the time, but not wanting to play two server. And it was always them. And then we fucking crushed them. We fucking shit on them and crush them with 120 ping and I fucking talked so much to those guys afterwards <laughs> meanwhile the Swedes were always willing to play 2 server and they were fucking good we, we would lose on American server to the Swedes because they had bigger balls they were real men and they were real gamers so I got to or learn like at least 15 years ago how good Norwegian players were at like esports and how fucking shitty Western Europeans and American <laughs> uh, were in general
1: Oh, you just boosted and's uh, confidence quite a bit, at least for the Denmark I'm statement. No,
0: it didn't really change anything. I know. Oh, okay. Just so, making sure. It was more of a yes. 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 Yeah. All
1: right. Let, let's sounds uh, about right. Let's fast forward a bit. I want to I want to hear more about your, your TV stuff. So you, you, you've been doing a lot of consulting, I mean, for a long time now. But just recently in the last, I want to say, year, you've started to appear on TV, like uh, different, well, you can tell me which shows. I've I've noticed you on a couple Fox ones, which I found funny for different reasons. Um,
2: We won't get into that, but uh, you can totally get into that. (laughs) I'm totally down to get into that.
1: Last time I got into this, uh, people got mad at me, so I'm gonna gonna not do that. But tell us about the TV. Are you telling your
2: viewership? Don't you want you talking about politics? Don't even. That's correct. No way. No way. No, your fans love it. I'm sure the comments love (laughs) a political discussion (laughs) like
1: that. Yeah, they they always enjoy it quite a bit, especially in the U.S. (laughs) But tell us about the TV. What did you, how'd you get Um, into that?
2: I mean, yeah, I really have been appearing on Fox News more than any other network, which yes, is quite interesting for a self-appointed lib um, that Mm -hmm. I generally am and that I do lean left most of the time. But again, we we don't, don't, um, you know, yeah, I've ended up going on there a bunch of times over the last two years, always when something fucked up happens in the world. I have not really been able to go on there to promote like how great esports is. I've been able to do that one time, but the other four times I went on were for let's see, um the Blitzchung situation with Activision mm-hmm. Blizzard um mm-hmm. and and China. Uh when people implicated and including our senators here that guns were responsible for all of the math for multiple mass shootings that we had. Last year, and I had to go on TV and say that no video games are not causing people to shoot each other here in America Um and that someone went on TV and said that video games are uh, Fortnite is like uh, shooting up heroin and they can com- <laughs> they compared uh, shooting up heroin with getting addicted to video games. And I had to go again back on to say that no heroin is probably um, not Fortnite. Um you know, maybe a little bit more fun than Fortnite. But I wouldn't say that is the same level of, of addiction. So I haven't really been able to go on for fun things. Every time a really fucked up thing happens, or they're making some wild claim associating video games with something absurd, uh, I am here to come to the rescue.
1: Which is quite often,
2: by the way. They
1: say <laughs> some ridiculous things. Too often. Yeah. Uh, so what is your experience firsthand working with... Not just Fox, but just any of these news networks did, did anything surprised you with how they look at eSports or is it basically what everyone thinks that they're just completely oblivious
2: well, it has definitely gotten better like over the last few years um, you know some people in eSports, especially the elitists and the gatekeepers will say that you know because eSports is growing even bigger. And it's able to get more attention from mainstream media. This is why we should shun them more because they didn't help us during the dark ages. When we really wanted esports to get a mainstream TV in the early 2000s. um, CGS. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or or even when, you know, when Mike Starcraft was first taking off at Twitch or like when the first international happened, like there probably could have been more major media and mainstream media that were there because esports had already been going on for 10 years at that point. And, you know, I could definitely see some people's perspective in the industry. Like, well, fuck the media now. They didn't help us then. Why why would we go do stuff now? And I still see some people who who refuse to go on like the BBC um, or do mainstream media um, interviews because of this. But the industry has grown a lot. And video games and esports and streaming and all this stuff is bigger than ever. So it hasn't been as insane as it used to be with like people going on tv saying shit that makes no sense they obviously still do it but kind of like in a different context of like you know um, comparing video games to like heroin and fortnite to heroin and and like all this shooting stuff we we used to have that like a long time ago um too but there was more at least more pushback from like fellow co-hosts or people that are on the air that wasn't just me coming on to dispute this So, like, when I had been on Fox and when I went on Dana Perino's show a few times, which is on the main Fox News channel, and then I went on Fox Business twice, they were pretty nice to me. They were pretty uh, accommodating to me. They let me talk for a long time. They didn't, like, edit out anything I said. Um, They didn't didn't cut me and, like, you know, produce my segment in a different way. And I even remember going on Dana Perino's show talking about, like, the the gun violence issue, which was pretty serious at the time because we just had multiple mass shootings. And I forgot to mention um, like a report that was done by a recent um, like a a recent study that was done, like a factual study that showed scientifically that there was no correlation. And Mm -hmm. I forgot to bring it up. And she ended the segment by bringing up um, that report to really like to nail my point home to everyone at home that video games don't compare this. So, I mean, I can say that, like, at least my experience actually has been pretty good um they've been nice to me they were able to do good reporting and they haven't been you know really negative um on the fight back like i i realize that yeah a lot of mainstream media still can't spell esports correctly still doesn't know what the fuck esports or video games are they they really are not in tune with what's happening and a lot of the times it'll be like a very um, superficial kind of understanding or explaining of what is going on Mm. Uh, but i mean i don't really harbor any like extreme negative feelings against them like ah oh, fuck the mainstream media i'm never gonna fucking help these assholes who always derided these sports of all like i've always been at least my perspective is that we need to bring more people in it's always going to be better if we try to expand our industry it doesn't mean that you have to suck their dicks all the time and yeah. and pander to people like i i know that is something that people in esports are very like wary of. So I don't mean you have to do, th- but I find it better to try to bring these people in and to go do this media and to try to have people understand and try to give them a different perspective than just let the narrative fly and not have any comeback because you want to like be, you're too cool to like go do an interview with mm-hmm. mainstream media or you're too cool to want to try to explain to things i'm a, i'm much more the person that would like to bring more people into this industry um and i've always kind of had that mindset over the years do you
0: do you feel like um do you feel like that there's a strong following for the mindset that you don't bring in the media like do, do you find that to be the majority thing because the way you're talking about it, it sounds like you consider it something a bit unusual that you're so open and willing to work with regular media or whatever you want to call it on this from my perspective, at least in Denmark, the when there's like big gaming events or whatever, uh, people that are passionate about it are very willing to do media coverage of it. So is that something different in the States, or is it just the times now that you think it wasn't like this five years ago, for example?
2: Um, you know, maybe it's my circle of esports people, but after hanging around people like Richard Lewis or Thorne for Mm -hmm. like 15 years,
0: you very selective bunch,
2: (laughs) you, you you know, and they're very vocal about the way that they view things. And they Mm -hmm. are generally on the side of that mainstream media has been really shitty to esports. And I agree with them for a large Mm -hmm. portion. And even gaming media like a Kotaku or a Polygon has not been really that good in terms of covering the space and a lot of times they've had they brought like negativity and they've done right. a disservice to the space and so that so like when you're around like those people a lot then i kind of feel like that is more how i'm thinking about it rather than like you normal people in denmark that are doing interviews and I'm not thinking <laughs> about any of this shit at all you're just doing like <laughs> I you know mean, uh, winners i'm
0: oversimplifying it too right but i i mean it's just interesting for me to think about what the more like dominant viewpoint is so to speak because I definitely agree. I think a lot of the time, media has been really bad at portraying. Like, I think not just necessarily painting it in a in a bad light, but also just being factually incorrect, right? right. When they make statements or present games, I think that's worse. It's one thing if you don't like it, but it's worse if you're just misinformed and you're making like really bad. I, I want to say like comments based fifteen
1: on that, years right? ago ish. Let's just say around there, the public perception is that yeah, you want to get media involved; it's just a good thing, right? But in the mm-hmm. last fifteen years, I feel like it's been very negative from people that are in the esports scene, they don't care really about mainstream at all. In fact, they look at it as a complete negative to get involved in a lot of ways. So I, I can uh, echo kind of what Rod is talking about here. Um, of course, that could just I mean, you be know, my a p- circle of friends as well. Like it's, it's really tough to get an overarching uh, grand view of it all, you know?
2: I mean, you know, part of it, we are all internet people. And especially when we're talking about like TV, media, a lot of the time, our entire space is focused on like all of esports competitive gaming is focused through live streaming which is an entire technology that is competing with mainstream media so not only do we have like the perspective of the cord cutter of like the younger generation that doesn't buy cable tv and we don't give a shit about mainstream media we're also in video games and esports which is like the biggest vehicle of live streaming on the entire internet so we've been so in tune with our own our, our own industry that i think that's like partially why there has been so much um Pushback. Not only, yeah, as Cinderin says, they are uh, factually against it, but like just like the uh, the culture that has been built is much more, and we all are so. As much as esports is becoming mainstream, uh, it has for a long time been like a counter culture type of, uh, right. um, you, you know, it's more it has been underground for a long time. So fuck the mainstream and fuck the media, and we don't fucking need them. You know, as like a metal guy who's like part of the metal and punk <laughs> scene. I fully get that and um, that's like been kind of core of like esports. You fuck everyone. We don't need them. But I I really don't subscribe to any of that. I don't agree with all that approach. I I really have always taken the approach where like you need to come out and say something. If you if you just hate the BBC or the CNN or Fox or even Kotaku for doing something and you don't say anything, then you're not actually explaining what they did wrong. And you're you're not you're not checking them in how you should. Instead, you're just getting like mad and you kind of look like a crybaby, even though you might be right in the points that you're making about how they initially screwed up the story. I find a lot of the times responses from certain esports personalities in our space, which are very prominent to be kind of childish and to and to really like not handle the situations well. Like they'll, they'll take something that the media does, which is probably bad, and then they'll react even worse. And then and then and then make and then make esports look shitty. And they're Mm -hmm. the ones that actually fucked up and you know made it even worse instead of being able to respond in a professional way to really get a correct viewpoint out there, um, and have everyone be like, Oh, well, that actually makes kind of sense. And like and I've been able to do that to like Fox News anchors when I go on the show, and they didn't think that before. If I just went on there or went on Twitter and said, These guys are fucking idiots. Which I'm sure would do okay, and and sometimes you <laughs> can do that. I don't think it really would have gone off you know, that well um, to either people in our industry. I do think it looks kind of ch- childish and immature, and it's definitely not going to change the perspective of either the, uh, the hosts and the media that are covering the story or any of the people that are watching their program. So I, I kind of find right,
1: that... It would just reaffirm their bias, right? Yes, the right. Bias That's, from yeah. before, So And
2: I really feel Makes like sense. a lot of people in esports are not good at that. Um, I think a lot of people in esports and even gaming are very protective of our industry. I mean, I understand why, because it's been fucked up like a lot of times. It's almost been killed multiple times. You have all this like outside investment and venture capital coming into the scene. And that is like, you know, screwing with a lot of stuff. And I, again, I fully understand that. Um But I think that a lot of people just have not quite handled uh, that in the best way. You can push back against that and still uh, be kind of like seen as a go to for the mainstream and for the media um, and not just be like so defensive of and gatekeeping of our, you know, little thing, which is now pretty mainstream, whether people like Mm -hmm. it or not.
1: Yep, totally agree. Um, okay, one more topic before we get on to the big three, which is going to be Riot, Blizzard, and Valve, which I'm very excited to hear your opinions on those companies. Uh, in terms of coronavirus, obviously, hearing a lot about it on the news, everyone's affected uh, with this across the globe. How do you think this affects esports? Because online tournaments are getting a big boom, right? This is, a, if anything, it's actually a good thing. Um but as a whole, do you think that this will help? Because now we have like NBA, 2K doing stuff with the players, like on Twitch, and everyone's just much more involved in video games. Formula One thing as well. <clears throat> eh, sure. sure, we don't need it. Eh. <laughs> okay, There's a shit about that. But yeah, I, it's going more mainstream in a lot of ways. But yeah, what? Whoa, do you, think you just the, pissed off two
2: <laughs> people. Okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I you pissed off our entire audience. I pissed off two guys. I'm really sorry, guys, but it's it's not a cool game. Anyway, yeah. What kind of impact do you think coronavirus will have on esports going
2: forward? I mean, I, honestly, like this is the thing that I've been talking to the, the media most about recently, which, again, not great uh, yeah. in, in perspective. But I, I spoke to like the New York Times last week, the Washington Post last week, NPR um, last week, all about this topic. I mean what's ironic is that back in late January I did an interview on Yahoo Finance talking about the coronavirus and how it was affecting China because the LPL had just had to cancel and the LCK would just had to cancel and I remember them asking me how I uh, how they thought that I, that this would affect things going forward and I was gonna be like well it's probably going to be bad um, but I never expected, obviously, the entire world to be affected by this pandemic mm-hmm. um, and to be totally inadequate, which is stupid of me because America is totally worthless and useless at fighting this situation. I should have known better that our country would not be able to fucking deal with this shit at all. So, my bad. Very, I'm stupid there. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, I think, like, first and foremost, that health and safety of people is more important than our, in like, any of the industries or people working. Um, like, that should not be put ahead of, you know, like, making money should not be put ahead of um, people's safety. Uh, and I know that there are still some esports two certain esports and Counter-Strike uh, running right now, which have people coming into in-person studios in Los Angeles and Germany and considering again, we could do everything on the internet. I don't see why the fuck that keeps happening um, even though it is being like okayed by the, the state of California.
1: Yeah, I, and, I'm uh, surprised Buc- about that. Berlin. I thought that was actually just illegal to show up to a studio. Uh, like
2: no, that. because media, it falls under um, necessity. That media falls under uh, essential and, services. And
1: video games falls into media. Yes. Say. Okay.
2: Well, because it's a live broadcast, they are they are classified right. as broadcast media. They are classified as we made essential services. Um, really, they're just fucking assholes. <clears throat> ESL and Flashpoint want to compete against each other to see who, which uh, person has the biggest dick right now, which I understand normally, because that's what these companies do, especially you know Flashpoint, who really needs anything to go right over there. Um, but it really seems misguided given the current situation. I don't think either of them are looking good right here, but that, that that's just kind of like one small thing that, that is happening. True. Uh, you know, in general, I think that um, I don't think it's like a, a pot. Like in the end, is it a net positive? Probably not. There's still a huge amount of events canceled. It's still disrupting almost every single esports community in all the scenes. It uh, canceled the Dota major. Um, You know, it's canceled the in-person Overwatch League, the in-person Call of Duty League, all the plans for the League of Legends Championship Series and OEC. Um, The CSGO major has been moved. Multiple other games have had, you know, whether it's Street Fighter or Pokemon or QuakeCon, have all been canceled or postponed. So in general, it's not great, especially with the move... um, for like all of esports going into these in-person events and in these stadiums in the last few, few years, which have been really cool just to mm-hmm. showcase video games to a larger audience. All of that is not going to happen now. So if you really take all that into account, it's not like a good thing this is happening, obviously. Uh, but as I have you know spoken about in a lot of these interviews, uh, the beauty of esports and where we all came from is playing games against each other over the Internet. And our entire industry is the vehicle of our industry is the Internet. So to be able for the NBA and the NFL and MLB and, you know, European uh, football to all be canceled and then for Overwatch League and LCS and LEC and the Rocket League uh, Championship Series to reschedule their entire seasons in less than a week and then to all be broadcasting online really kind of shows why esports is so cool. And that there's no other competitive uh, sport in the world that is based on the Internet. I mean, that was um, always an issue for gaming growing up and that you couldn't get everyone together in a room and it cost a lot of money to produce or cost a lot of money um, to put on. But now that we are all mandated in staying home, it really the technology and the how we have all you know, grown up in this space really comes into play now to be able to do this. So you have sure. like the major leagues, which have been able to kind of like reschedule um, everything there. And then even though you talk some shit about formula one Suns fan, I got to say that <laughs> I, I really got to say that the NASCAR, iRacing racing stuff that they've been doing on Fox and the formula one races with real F one drivers on sky sports is actually the coolest shit that has fucking okay. happened this entire two weeks. And for most people, like in the mainstream, who don't know what esports is, who don't watch video games, this is the thing that has been getting all the attention. This is like, I've seen more comments from people who watch NASCAR but don't watch video games who now have watched iRacing and are like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. I didn't even realize this was a video game why what they, a
0: fucking shame that it's like NASCAR <laughs> that will be propelling us into
1: the <laughs> Fucking it's NASCAR. It's true. It's fucking The I mean,
0: single worst sport in the world <laughs> has to It's just out. because we have
1: such low expectations <laughs> that anything positive <laughs> will just tout, you know, constantly. Okay. Holy shit, this is All incredible. Right, just in
0: case, there is a chance. Okay, I just want to specify. There's a chance that a decent portion of our audience don't even know what NASCAR is. So... <laughs> <From> and, <laughs> i'm gonna give left. my i'm gonna give my biased version <laughs> of what this is it's like you take any driving sport let's say formula one and then instead of it being an interesting track it's literally you're driving <laughs> around a donut and you drive around it 200 times and hope someone crashes that's not uh, basically some of them our
1: fi- uh, indy 500 is 500 times that's-
0: 500 times driving in a circle yes and it's a big sport it's huge. It's fascinating. It's, it's really, it's really fascinating to me. I think America. I actually, I genuinely can't think of a more boring sport to watch than that. I, I don't. I don't know. I actually can't think of it.
1: Well, can I, got you? Great, uh, I got a great. I got a great segue from like golf. from NASCAR to Blizzard. Golf? Oh, golf is way more interesting than NASCAR. Yeah, golf can be kind of interesting. It's still kind of. Ugh. I mean, at least it's like an ASMR type thing, right? No. NASCAR's and not for me, right. but different strokes really
2: though like the simulation of racing games has appealed more than any other game during the entirety of coronavirus so far because that's very true for a lot of people it really does look like the real thing if Mm -hmm. you're just watching the nascar especially the i-racing um simulation they've done iRacing is fucking sick and they've been able to do indycar and they've been able to do nascar in such a great way that it lined up perfectly for everything to happen for nascar to be able to get every pro driver with an i racing setup at home to to really r- make the real races so much so that a fucking driver rage clipped this past weekend <laughs> on sorry. national television because he got bumped. <laughs> that is fucking cool. Okay, that is fucking cool. That
0: is cool. I'll admit. That's and cool.
2: Formula One, it's not iRacing, racing, but it's done like a great job too. Lando Norris has been a huge hit on Twitch. He's been a huge ambassador for racing. And honestly, I never would have thought so, but racing games and simulation games have been one of the best things to happen for esports during the entirety of corona never thought i'd hear okay,
0: that okay so yeah so I, ha- I have a follow-up question about this so it's very clear now across like multiple scenes that because of necessity because we don't have the possibility of having lands we're getting a lot of online coverage do you think and this is a hypothetical imagine that corona ends entirely it's eradicated in three months let's say it's gone okay well I mean, I'm I'm not saying that's realistic. It's just to give it it's a time not, frame. No. Okay, so yeah, let's say trying. let's just say whatever. Let's say it's gone in three months. It's not, but let's say it is. Um, will things go back to how they were, or do you think this is like sparking um, a future for esports where online leagues are kind of coming back? Not saying replacing lands, but do you think there's because of this? Um, how to say? Yeah, because of this sparking of this old i don't know what if i should call it old but old style um do you think there's some new money coming into this that will make leagues more profitable in the future because now it's like it gets its own new test run so to speak or is it just temporary and then everything will be like it was before
2: uh so again we're going off the premise that after three months we're all going outside again and we're going yeah, to events you again, can choose and your time and for literally, it, whatever and literally everything is fine Okay, right. you
0: can choose okay. whatever you we want.
2: Are, let's let's go it's into reality that is not going yeah. to exist, and we're actually all fucked for the next year. But okay, let's just yeah. say.
0: Well, you can say in a year too, if you want. That's fine. Like whatever okay. time frame you choose yeah, doesn't sure. matter.
2: Well, you know, it's a it's a fucked up way to look at it. But the longer that coronavirus goes on, the better it is for video games and esports, because the longer the coronavirus um, happens, the longer that all major sports are offline. And the longer that there is mandatory social distancing and that we are all inside all the time. And the longer that we are inside, um, the more that we are playing games and watching games. And the less that there are traditional sports are, are on, the less options there are of watching stuff um, for things to happen. And sponsors and investors are all have, like, you know, nothing right. to do. So in a way, the longer the pandemic goes on and the, the more time we can't find a vaccine to fix our whole fucking world, then, like, gaming will continue to rise and have a spotlight. Because now, every single weekend um, right now, you have Formula One uh, video games on TV, you have NASCAR on TV, and ESPN just did a whole day of esports, where they put the Rocket League World Championship on ESPN for the first time ever, and they broadcasted Formula One live for the first time ever, too, um, in terms of video game, and they had a Apex Legends on as well. So you have mainstream media um, giving attention to gaming and esports way more now because of the lack of competition mm-hmm. from everything else going on. So so you
0: think there will be more online coverage in this hypothetical world where this is over in X months, then this will mean more online coverage in the future, regardless, you think?
2: Um or? Uh, Okay, so there's like a few things here. I think that Mm -hmm. esports and gaming has done a really good job of showcasing how like it can be very resilient through something like a worldwide pandemic to still be going on. And I think that is going to generally attract sponsors um, to esports who didn't know this existed before. I think that although let was to say everything did go back to normal and there was like the NBA and NFL and that Mm -hmm. all came back and there's gonna be more competition. um, And less people staying inside all the time because it's gonna be, you know, summer, it's gonna be nice. Um, I still think that sponsors will want to stick around because they'll finally have been able to come into the space and see how good everything is going. It's not like esports wasn't doing incredible before Corona was hitting. I mean, everything has been hitting on all cylinders and we have this new game coming out. which has taken over the world. Uh, Valorant, you know, tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. you know, esports gaming has already been doing well. This situation just was able to showcase it to a bunch of new people. I think all the sponsors and investors that saw esports and gaming during the pandemic are still going to want to stay in um, afterwards. But specifically when it comes into like an online format. I actually feel like. You know, a big portion of esports in the last few years has been to take the traditional online format and to put it on LAN. Where you have things like the ESL Pro League, which is now played entirely on LAN. You have Flashpoint, which is now played entirely on LAN. And you have, you know, games like Overwatch League, Call of Duty League, League of Legends that are played entirely on LAN for all of its matches. And there's been a a big emphasis on selling out stadiums, selling out arenas, bringing in-person events. I think that's really good. I mean, obviously, that is kind of where we were all expecting eSports to go in terms of um, taking online to in person. But I almost feel like in some ways it's jumped too far. Like we can we can we already see in like these online only games for LCS and for Dota and Overwatch, you can call of duty league. OK, maybe the viewership is not where it would have been, you know, if, if everything was played in person. But like viewership is still like seventy or eighty percent of like what it was, and the costs are like nothing. Yeah. So why even have a gigantic <laughs> studio land we with cameras and producers and huge money and flights and hotels when you can just stick ten LCS teams in their fucking apartments and have them play from home for eighty percent of the viewership? I know it's not the same. And sponsors are looking for an in-person thing. It's not like a one-to-one example here. I'm not not stupid way this is happening. But I feel like um, there has been such a huge leap that people are forgetting that you can actually just run a tournament from home and have everybody streaming from home. And in a lot of ways with like, I think Fortnite did a great uh, example of this um, last. And and Call of Duty, you can see, is doing it now. You could do things like let all of the players uh, stream their POVs on Twitch, and you add up all of the viewers together for a total combined viewership, which is usually much more than the individual channel that is broadcasted on. Like Fortnite esports, that that broadcasts all the big Fortnite tournaments, usually gets like fifty thousand people. Maybe it got like seventy five k during the World Cup max. But they had like 100 streamers streaming all of their (laughs) POVs. So it got like 2 million viewers or whatever. It's nice when you have
1: some structure, though. So, oh, my camera's... Yes, of course. It's nice when you have structure so you can actually force players to use overlays that, unlike Dota, where people just steal (laughs) each other's viewership, things can be totally different in a game that actually has some infrastructure in place. But I would agree in general, even though it sounds bad, I love lands, but they are a bit overrated for sure. I think the games. thing
0: the thing to keep in mind, though, right, is that now that everybody is forced, so to speak, to be online, it's kind of a level playing field, right? But if you imagine this is over and you try to run these tournaments online with the logic that you get 80% of the viewership, it becomes a huge competitive perimeter that somebody else is running a LAN, right? Then you're not going to retain 80% while they're on because their production is more interesting then, right? Mm-hmm. That's It's kind of... I mean, you could do the math for it. Maybe it's still worth it to an extent to just keep it online, but surely you're going to tank viewers if other events of your t- type start running lands and you don't, right? Or would you would you say that that's kind of that people are just overrating that entirely and that lands are not needed at all for, like just from the financial side of things, right? There's obviously something special about lands. Nobody's going to question that. But
2: well, I'm sure the sponsors are. I'm sure for the examples that we're using. Be- When you ask, like, you know, will some other people put on a LAN, you're really only talking about Valve games because those are the only ones that have open circuits. There is, If LCS isn't running, no one's running League of Legends LAN. It's only Riot. There's no Call of Duty LAN. It's only Activision. There's no Overwatch LAN. It's only Activision. These are all franchise leagues. There is no Mm -hmm. competitor. There's no one that can come in and do anything. They're locked down forever. Um, Right. So... In that way, like, no, because it's impossible. And at the same time, I think some sponsors are definitely they came in with the intention of being in front of like a full on production in front of a studio audience or in front of an arena. Right. And they weren't just sponsoring the online portion. I think in Valve games and for games that are have an open circuit like Dota and Counter-Strike that, yeah, there are more opportunities to do things because anyone can do anything with these games and that is why they're special and that is what has allowed the ecosystem to thrive so in that way there's definitely probably more opportunities um to kind of have that i think that's kind of like how counter-strike and dota have evolved anyway that's why like you know league of legends and and Overwatch are doing lands way before anyone else pro league only finally just now got counter-strike to be have all games played on land pro league as of last year for counter-strike was played online, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um and all most all Dota qualifiers are online. There's no Dota land league that everyone is it's not like all the Dota players have flown into Los Angeles to play on a land for 3 months or whatever. Right. That shit doesn't exist, but that is the only thing that exists now for a few games. All right, let's
1: <clears throat> let's move on to the big 3. Uh and we can talk a little bit more about if there may, may be a fourth company incoming but when i think of the big three in terms of esports uh in the gaming space it's blizzard riot and valve so i'm going to give my shitty summaries of each company and then you can give me your rankings on one specific question here so blizzard of course amazing with diablo <laughs> starcraft brood war uh, warcraft 3 world of warcraft and then activision took over and now it just seems like they can't do anything right. They had Starcraft 2, which was a colossal failure. Heroes of the Storm was beyond god-awful, and that was kind of like their biggest regret of all time, not picking up Dota to begin with. Uh, Overwatch, I think, has just been a complete disaster, but that's my personal opinion. I know some people will disagree. Then you have Riot. They're very, very, very strict in everything they do, but everything is super structured. They have great infrastructure. Uh, they do have a terrible work culture, though, with a lot of sexual harassment stuff. But in general, League of Legends has been an enormous success, and obviously they have a lot of new games coming out, which we'll talk about. Then you have Valve, who's kind of like the opposite of Riot, where they're super hands-off, sometimes to a fault. They've obviously had great games in the past, but a lot of recent failure in terms of Artifact. Underlords you can definitely call a failure. Half-Life Alex has been a success, but it's still you know only VR. So of these three companies, Slasher... Tell me which ones you have the most confidence in in terms of ranking, one to three. Uh riot. Okay, and right now, two? please tell uh, me two. Is... Thank
2: God. All right, just make it. Sure. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, right now, right now, riot is firmly in the lead. Mm-hmm. Firmly in the lead. Okay, uh, so let. L- number... l- l- okay, go ahead. Sorry. Out of these three, because uh, yeah. you you said there would be a big four. There there is four. There is Epic? no longer three. It is four, yes.
1: Okay. We'll talk about Epic in a bit. So let's just talk about each of these companies just briefly. Um, so Blizzard, Activision, whatever the fuck you want to call them. They've been a just dumpster show for the last 10 years, it feels like. What the what? what happened with this company? Is it actually Activision? Is that what screwed them? If it really feels like that aligns perfectly with the timeline. Am I wrong?
2: Uh, it's a, a good portion of things. Like Activision coming in, the merger... And everything that that has done to the work culture inside of Blizzard specifically has been like a significant factor to everything that has happened in terms of their downturn. Um, yeah, that were like there were definitely individual bad choices made for Diablo 3 in terms of its release and how it was launched and how it was handled. Um, the overall um, evolution of StarCraft 2 and not really dealing with that right, uh, as you mentioned, um. You know, not picking up Dota and totally flubbing Blizzard, Blizzard All Stars, and then Heroes of the Storm. So there are there's like a combination of the Activision work culture, which has totally fucked everything up, and has driven out all of the co founders of the company, all of the VPs, everyone that made Blizzard, Blizzard, and then what everybody looked up to as a kid. That the Activision um, merger and what that did moved all of them out there. And then you had a ton of missteps for each individual game compiled on, which has then turned into basically a, a huge clusterfuck. And then only more bad things have happened um, since then. But honestly, uh, them merging with Activision is the worst thing that ever happened to Blizzard.
1: It's the worst thing that ever happened to video games, I feel like. That was like the, the best company in gaming. Not even close in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Jesus Christ. What... I don't actually know your opinion on this. I just assume that we align, but I'm not sure. The Overwatch League. I feel like Overwatch in general has been, it's, it's like a casual game that is, they've just tried to like force feed as an eSport. They've brought in investors, hundreds of millions of dollars of investments from like NBA teams and all these other like non-endemics. There's no way they're making their money back. They're coming out with Overwatch 2, which is like a glorified expansion. That you have to, I don't remember if you have to pay for it, but people weren't happy mm-hmm. with that announcement hey, in will. general. What are your thoughts on Overwatch and how it's had an impact on esports? Is it the way that I looked at it is, you know, CGS back in the day fucked things up for everybody for like a good amount of years. The difference now is this is a bigger fuck up, but esports as a whole is way bigger than it was, so it might not be as
2: negatively affected. You know what I mean? Um I probably may not feel the same as you do i actually don't feel the same as a lot of people on this topic and i say this as someone who really has criticized blizzard fucking a lot through the entirety of overwatch and not just like as an industry person who covers the game i've been playing the fucking game since day one of closed beta i played from closed beta day one until season six like scrimming and as, like, almost a professional player, I've beaten Overwatch League players in a tournament. I've won tournaments before. I played, like, on a pro team. So I've been playing the game eight hours a day every day for, like, a year and a half. So that I really know the video game Overwatch, not just Overwatch League, which is the eSports League. And, you know, uh, so forget the the league itself. The issues come to the game and i think this is where a lot of people are like kind of missing it from the industry perspective side is that so many of the problems with overwatch league and the viewership and how like people that are unhappy has to come back to the state of the game and how it has deteriorated over time yeah as you mentioned um it wasn't like overwatch league i do not believe was forced to be an esport overwatch has been an organic eSport since the day it came out, because I remember playing in tournaments when it came out, and we all really liked the game. We all really enjoyed Overwatch. We all really liked playing the game. We were having a great time. It's not like we were forced to play. We were playing for no money in tournaments. So, like, that existed before Overwatch League um, came in. I think some people just think, like, Blizzard came in and forced eSports to happen, and it's not, like, what, what really happened there. It was more like... Blizzard was making an MMO, an MMO FPS called Titan. And that was like the intention mm-hmm. for their next franchise to be this the the next wow, okay, to make them a billion dollars. And then it all fell apart. And then after it all fell in apart and them costing them who knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars internally, they need to figure out like what to do with all these characters and all these things and this world that they made. And Jeff Kaplan just so happened to be an old Quake player. Um, and an old Team Fortress player, and he was like, "Well, let's make a fucking competitive Team Fortress game because mm-hmm. he liked playing it, and he liked playing it as like a kid for a long time when he was uh, uh what, what was his name? Uh, uh, Jeff Tiggle, Tiggle Bitties, Tiggle Bitties. <laughs> good old, good old Jeff Kaplan. I like his old username. Um, so then they t- they turned it into a competitive." Shooter, So like the whole way that the game was made was not exactly the original intention of what was going to be made. They had to salvage another game for an entire new idea. And I think really looking at it, they did a pretty good job of taking what was an MMO and making it a 6v6 class shooter, um, at least on launch when it's released.
1: So Overwatch,
2: yeah. Overwatch was actually a pretty good game. Like if you ask most of the people that played Overwatch during closed beta and the first seasons, um, especially the pro players, everyone would majority agree that that was a great game. Everyone had a really fun time. I had a really fun time playing and competing in the game. But so many things have happened from the gameplay perspective that have like fucked everything up and made it so hard to keep playing the game, whether it was the hero limit. Or the way that um, that tanks, um, you know, just are unkillable and to do too much damage. There's too much healing in the game. There's too many. There's too many shields. There's too many stuns. There's too much crowd control. There's too much bullshit in a fucking first-person shooter. I know you guys deal with all that in MOBA games and Dota, and that's kind of like normal and standard. But if you come from a first-person, and this is kind of like what has caused so much of the issues, especially in the West. Like, I remember talking to Korean players um, when they were first starting to play Overwatch, and so many of them were coming at it from like a StarCraft or MOBA background and how they looked at the game and like, uh, you know, figuring out the gameplay and strategizing and like competing at a high level. And so much of the Western audience and players that played the game came at it from a first-person shooter perspective. We all came from Team Fortress 2, or we all Mm -hmm. came from Quake, or we all kind of came from some other game that was, like, leading into Overwatch. So by the time that, like, a million shields and stuns and crowd control and health and fucking healing is, like, you can't kill anyone, and, like, all this other stuff happened, it really hurt, like, the overall ecosystem and atmosphere for a very very like long time like they're still dealing with problems around crowd control and stuns and shields and all that other shit and bubbles and all that shit 3 years later because it's almost like an they're in an unwinnable unfixable situation trying to make a super complex fps game that's also mixed with like abilities and magical shit going on and they've created a frustrating experience for like one group or another especially the western audience of american and european players who are used to playing Uh, first person shooters. This is not to mention things like no solo queue, no role queue, people one tricking Jeff Kaplan, not thinking he literally wrote like later that he didn't ever think that people would play one hero. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Did you completely ignore the entire existence of Dota and league that people played (laughs) one fucking hero or champion the entire time? How could you not see that happening? So there were like so many things from a gameplay perspective that have made Overwatch a miserable experience, which is directly affecting the league, which has nothing to do with like the esports ecosystem. It is purely the gameplay and things that have uh, troubled the game, which have been by far, by far the biggest issue. And what I almost find ironic when people talk about the problems of Overwatch League, they never say any of this shit. They're always like, well, fucking Blizzard fucked up the esport and they forced the esport and then all these leagues paid a bunch of money. No. In all honesty, um, Activision Blizzard just did this new. They got $75 million from Twitch for the first two years. Activision Blizzard has made owners from across the world to pay them 30 to $40 million for franchise teams. And now this year, they got a $150 million deal from Google to host two either. seasons on YouTube. You can make fun of Overwatch League, and I do it quite often, for having nobody <laughs> watching it on youtube and for having so much less viewership than like they had on twitch or compared to other leagues but everyone just seems to forget that they got 150 million fucking dollars like like you're like you can't talk about the viewership in this like vacuum without mentioning the massive pile of money that they got do you see any other league getting 150 million dollars do you see valve making 150 million dollars off of Fucking meteorites for Counter Strike? No. Do you see ESO or Dreamhack doing this? No. So, like, if you're going to criticize Activision Blizzard for, like, quote unquote, screwing up Overwatch League and then well, not. I think- like, look the, at it. Like, the bigger picture is they made a ton of money from yeah. the owners. They made a ton of money off of the media rights. Isn't this what we look to in terms of success for traditional sports league, whether it's the NBA or the NFL? How much money they're selling to Fox or ESPN for the rights of the fucking? See, the to me, league the it European feels like they're almost
1: being disingenuous, right? They're, they're who is they're, who is like well, no, good for Blizzard for making all this money, but what is Isn't that, that actually? Point? For is them, the yes, but doesn't that hurt everybody the, else?
2: Who, who is it hurting?
1: The scene who is hurting? in general. All these investors spending all this money, and they're not going to get any Says investment who? In the Says return. who?
2: Do you see any of the owners complaining about Vision Blizzard? Show me a quote right now from the NYXL owner or from the Patriots owner or the Rams owner saying that they're unhappy with what's going on. Well, no, you I'm, can't I'm find sure that
1: shit. M- most of those people probably don't even know they're invested into esports, <laughs> in all honesty. <laughs>
2: but that's part yeah, of it, like, that, that's part of it. How are you going to say <laughs> that, like, the guy with a billion dollars is unhappy with his investment in Activision Blizzard? It's kind of ridiculous to me. The people that want to make this theme like it's been unsuccessful are. Right. Like everyone else in the industry that wants to just look at viewership numbers. I'm cool with making fun of how little people are watching Overwatch Week now. And they definitely have a ton of problems keeping people interested. But if we want to really be truthful with ourselves in terms of how if it's been a success or not. Activision Blizzard has been selling more sponsorships than League of Legends. And League of Legends Championship Series is like 100 times the viewership and interactivity and engagement that Overwatch League does. But Activision Blizzard's sales team is better than Riot's. So how am I going to sit here as as an honest person and say that Activision Blizzard is like doing everything wrong when really they've had a shitty game that's Overwatch (laughs) that's been all fucked up in terms of the game. They've had an Overwatch League that has had a ton of problems in terms of the way that it's structured. And they've still made more money than everybody else. You, that should be an indictment on everybody else. Fuck Overwatch League. You should be going to like ESL and DreamHack and be like, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" So Overwatch League just sold rights to over to YouTube for one hundred fifty million dollars. You have Counter Strike and Dota here, which are getting a hundred thousand times of views or whatever, and they're not making nearly as much money. So I think you should like put all of the hate or criticism that has been pushed forward to Activision. It doesn't seem it it seems dishonest. That is my issue. It seems like Activision is a really easy target because they keep doing stupid shit all the time, whether it's like (laughs) firing a thousand people whether it's like banning Blitzchung and like inciting an entire worldwide riot or whatever. Like I know they keep doing fucked up dumb things, but purely on a business level, Overwatch League is a success. Call of Duty League is a success. And anyone who thinks it's a failure because they have 20,000 less concurrent viewers, which don't fucking matter actually, at all, I think is being disingenuous.
0: So I think the you... concern we have here, if I can just jump <clears throat> in, my mm-hmm. my concern, I think this is the one you share with me, Shannon, is that we're not, like, I'm 100% with you here, Rod. Like, if they can sell sponsorships and make this league this big, that's awesome, right? That's great for them. Um, but down the line, if these investors invest in Season 1, they invest in Season 2, and they see a decline in viewership numbers, does that mean that let's say come a season three come a season four and this keeps declining what are they going to do in the long run are they going to buy into other esports are they going to be like okay we invested a lot into this it failed we didn't have a great return on investment we're not coming back i think that's our concern here it's not about how much money they made short term it's obviously awesome right well, great, great job
2: the owners get revenue sharing from the do you think yeah. the owners care more about there being 30,000 less concurrent viewers or that the media rights were sold for I mean, results?
0: I'm assuming there's a correlation between how many people watch and how many people spend money on the game, right? Or in the merch yes. or whatever. No, whatever th- that, they get a share of. So but in the long run, if the viewership keeps declining, they're not going to get a return on investment. If they pay $30 million again next season to have a slot in the league or whatever it is, it might start being worth even less. And at that point, they're like, okay, this, we tried this, it was a venture, it wasn't really worth it, what do they do next? Does this, I think this is my concern and Shannon's concern as well, is that it scares them out of esports where they could maybe have made a smaller investment with a greater relative return on investment over time that's a bit more organic in growth, whereas this doesn't really seem to grow in anything else except the amount of money that Blizzard is making. It doesn't seem like anybody else is making more money except Blizzard. I could be wrong on that. But that's what it looks like from an outside perspective.
2: Did I break the video just before I no? I think it's not. Okay, great. I'm not. I'm not going to touch shit then because I thought I did. Um, (laughs) Looks good to me. It, uh, of course, people. Of course, the league and the owners and all the partners want people to watch the league. Mm -hmm. And if nobody watches the league, then ultimately it will like go. But from and look, from me talking to the owners and having Mm -hmm. some inside knowledge here, um, they're in this for the long haul. Like there isn't like from everyone that I've spoken to, no one was thinking that this would be ending here or that there's any end in sight and that everyone is in this for a very long time and that they're all actually more concerned with Activision Blizzard making money than there are in the viewership. As long as the viewership is okay and they make more money, that is better than the viewership is great and they make less money
1: right i know they don't i mean at the end of the day it's all about the money it's not about the viewership it I really just, is all about it, it really is all the about future. the future is there even a future in overwatch <laughs> like all these i mean we're going to talk about Valorant right now i feel like that's a overwatch actually let's just get into that
2: we got right no wait no wait wait, wait, wait. okay like <laughs> overwatch overwatch 2 is coming i don't think mm-hmm. it's going to like save the game or anything um but it's it's going to be a significant improvement and it's going to be a shot in the arm for the franchise. Um like Overwatch 2 as a game will do well. I'm sure Overwatch the fucking movie or whatever will be out by <laughs> next year. Yeah. And like Overwatch as an IP is still really strong. There's more people jerking it overwatch and there is any other video game and by porn standards alone (laughs) it'll probably last the test of time it's like overwatch is still i think a really big tracer's pretty hot i I won't
0: lie i mean some games have an inherent advantage in their character options in that regard i would say i I don't i mean
2: yeah we are going to talk about valorant in a second which is kind of strike with waifus that's gonna be a fucking huge advantage for for that game but like look overwatch really does have all of these problems as i've mentioned But I honestly think even despite all of it, it's still in a pretty good spot. And I think Overwatch League gets undeserved hate from the esports community, especially from people in Valve games. Just being completely honest, (laughs) I think that there is um, there is a certain uh, there is a a, a certain level of thinking, I feel like, from people within Valve games, whether it's Counter-Strike or Dota, that's uh, It is a little bit of an elitist mindset. I don't necessarily believe that's exactly where you're getting. Um, Like you're not using that to form your opinions on things. But I feel like Valve has done so much fucked up shit over time. And you all let it slide because Papa Gaben, like you like him or something. And (laughs) that, that level of courtesy is never given to a Riot or Blizzard because people have a hate boner for forever. <clears throat> and Valve has done so much shitty things in itself that I feel like, like criticism is quite a, bit. a we, lot. We,
0: we've been pretty fair with our criticism on of that, but I'm not like I don't know if we're representative of fans sure. of our game, right? But we're I would say for the most part we call the spade a spade, right? So. We, try to we have definitely been criticizing Valve for some choices that they've made, it's, we'll get in particular to that as with well. Artifact, right? So we'll yeah. get there. But,
1: but yeah. let's, let's talk about Riot. So, Valorant, the new game coming out, um, obviously, FPS, it's supposed to be an Overwatch slash Counter Strike killer. I mean, when they came out with their promo, basically all the wording was direct. It looked like it was a, a hate letter to Valve itself. Like the tick rates, which well-deserved. I think the tick rate's complete bullshit in Counter-Strike. I think that's the worst decision that Valve has ever made, and they don't seem to give a shit about it. But after watching Valorant, I feel like it's way more of an Overwatch killer, if any, this is what else. I'm
2: talking about. You guys are fucking idiots. I don't know what to, I <laughs> I really don't understand. You two, you Sunstan, look, you're a professional. Yes.
0: Yeah. Don't pull you me don't, into this, man. I'm just you
2: I haven't <laughs> even watched you watch game, video. You watch video games. You you've owned a team before. You cover this stuff. What the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? So you about? think it's a Cause just because it has colors in it doesn't mean it's like Overwatch okay just because there's fucking orange and green no, and not I'm not brown saying it's gonna and it I'm not saying it's, it's gonna
1: red. I'm not saying it's gonna kill Overwatch I'm saying if it's gonna kill one of the two it's definitely going to be Overwatch why? over CS
2: the gameplay is all Counter-Strike it is what? so then what are you talking about the in, okay so you, in terms of
1: like obviously the 5v5 bomb defusal all that shit it's basically Counter-Strike right the aiming yeah, system so they're trying to get the tick rate to be better than Counter-Strike when you implement any fantasy elements it's just counter strike is just going to be its own thing people aren't going to yeah, go because from you're smooth to dominant, brains
2: you are smooth brains you and the rest of the community that wants to compare this to overwatch because there's a bunch of fucking colors on the screen uh, <laughs> well, are like okay, no, perspe- this way. no perspective when they Dude, made if game play, the idea if the game is 5v5 and it's i'm not bomb sure if this based,
0: episode has a guest anymore
2: and, you, look, <laughs> and you're I, I, planting I a bomb and it's defusal <laughs> This is how the gameplay, there are headshots, there's 120 twick rate, there's, um, you know, the weapon switch is similar to Counter-Strike, the way that you move the switch is similar to Counter-Strike, the way that you aim the guns, there are spray patterns, everything literally of the game is like Counter-Strike, but there's a few fucking colors in it. So you want to compare it to Overwatch it is insane to me. It's insane.
1: So you're saying that when they came up with the idea for Valorant, they weren't saying let's come up with a cross between counter strike and overwatch you don't think that ever entered their mind i mean you can't deny that they've both Le-
2: games no i don't think so because it's like trying to ignore that they don't have their own fantasy like like they like they're not able to include fantasy elements on their own without like overwatch existing or something no mm-hmm. it's riot games that is building the fucking game they've done league of legends they're probably like hey well, let's do counter strike and then put some magic shit in here they probably didn't even care about like Overwatch, also including like magical shit. All
1: right. Well, regardless, what do you what do you think of the game? Have you played it? No, Obviously, I have not played it. But you've
2: watched do a lot you, of do, it. Do you I'm know sure. why? Do you know why I haven't played it?
0: Why? Because it isn't like Overwatch, and you like Overwatch. <laughs> we got him. Uh,
2: <laughs> no, I, I I play I play I play a lot of Kyron Strike. No, I don't sign NDAs. Oh, I thought that you're gonna.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: Go Okay. I don't sign NDAs and I don't sign embargoes, so I oh, could shit. not play the well, game.
0: Well, I guess this episode go. can't be aired then. <laughs> we always so, do NDAs
1: at the end of the episode. Yeah, it's like that's our true. That's a segment. postmortem. Damn, so after watching it, then, what are your thoughts on it? Do you are you excited? As everybody else is right now.
2: Um, I have spoken to I don't know thirty or forty people that played in the alpha event. Uh, which uh, a majority of them were Counter-Strike pros and Counter-Strike players, some Overwatch players, some Rainbow Six players, and then a little bit of Fortnite and Apex players. And um, honestly, like I talked to people who, if they had a bad experience, I honestly believe that they would tell me and that they would shit talk the game. I'm not just going around Mm -hmm. talking to yes men or trying to like get a positive answer out of I like some of my best engagement and things that I ever do are talking shit about things that are bad. So I don't mind if Valorant is a shitty game. And if I find out tomorrow that it sucks ass, I more than welcome and say that. But in all honesty, almost everyone that I've spoken to has been not only positive, but overwhelmingly positive about this game. And most of that is because it is like a really good tactical shooter. And most of the people that I've spoken to come from Counter-Strike and the people that worked on Valorant have a 1.6 background. And like a huge amount of the development team are 1.6 players. And that more people thought this is like a game closer to 1.6 than even CSGO is. Um, and that really, you know, from that end, yeah, like the hype is real. Like the hype is not manufactured. Riot did not pay anybody to come to the test event. Riot is not paying anybody to stream tomorrow. Obviously, streamers are making a ton of money anyway because drops are enabled. Um, on channels, and so people are getting donations and, and subs, and I'm not like ignorant that, that people are able to make money this way, but riot has created such a good product that people want to play for the game They're, they don't want to play just to be getting paid, although you know obviously that part um is part of it, and that's like a huge a huge reason for why I am really excited like I have been following kind of strike for almost twenty years now, and I've been playing it you know, a good portion of myself, even the quake was. My main game. So I am not only excited for it from like an industry perspective, of what it's going to do, I'm excited to play the shit out of it. Like, I am going to be grinding this game six to eight hours a day, probably through the entirety of closed beta.
0: So, okay, can I. Why is it that people, when a new game comes out like this, that is similar to other games, why is it there's this obsession with what game is it going to kill? Like, this <laughs> whole mindset of
1: it, everyone's more. Why isn't
0: there the idea that games can coexist? It's like whenever. I don't remember when Heroes of New Earth or League of Legends came out that people were like, "like one is going to kill the other." They were kind of coexisting. I mean, eventually Heroes of New Earth did die, <laughs> because but they didn't really didn't kill it. It was kind of like Sapuku, right? So, if <laughs> like, what is that? Is it just because people love to see things burn, or hate on other games, or like, I'm just to me, it's a bit weird. Like, I I'm looking at this Valorant game, I'm like, okay, I, I've seen a very little bit of footage of it. It looks like a fun shooter. Does it matter if, like, can't you enjoy this game and CSGO? Of course you can. Can't you enjoy and play them both, or this game and Overwatch, whichever you think is closer? Like, why does one need to kill the other? Isn't it very possible that there is a huge fan base of people that will watch them both? Like the League of Legends
1: killer, Cinderin, But I mean, in in fighting games, right?
0: In fighting games, it's not like a new fighting game comes out and people are like, okay. This is the end, man. Now the other 20 fighting games are dead. Like A lot of people like watching fighting games. So they watch 10 different fighting games when there's tournaments on. I think because right? the like, idea is you can, only, this,
1: you can only divide so much in terms of viewers and player base, right? Y-
0: yes and no, I think. like I don't feel like, are we that oversaturated on, for example, CSGO content that if you start watching Valorant, you're missing out on key CSGO content. Like, can you yeah, not do There's only do so both? much time in the day. I mean, sure, but then you kind of.
1: I think it's just a uh, natural uh, state of mind. I don't know. I don't think there's much yeah.
0: to. Pe- people love whenever there's a game like this. Like, Who's it gonna kill? <laughs> I'm well, sure you nobody's know, gonna fucking die. Th- th-
2: this but... is a multi-faceted problem. I actually, I'm actually glad you brought this up. Uh, we just going on the um, tail end of that. The fighting games actually do way better in this area than other games because they are literally called the fighting game, and they have right. always been for 20 more than 25 years a collection of all of the games. And even within that, like Capcom games and Street Fighter have always been like the premier title and Street Fighter players have kind of looked down upon other players. So it's not like they're um they're not unique in this situation. And then not only have Street Fighter players looked down on everybody else for a lot of time until Street Fighter 5 sucks dick now and now they're on the fucking short end of things. For a long time the fighting game community quote unquote didn't think that Smash Brothers was part of their community and that smash and the fighting game community were separate things and not one another. So even that community has had the similar type of mm-hmm. mentality and that, yeah, it is generally like a people thing and that people get so attached to their game and their love, which is then becomes their life. Um, and like so much as part of like their identity, even that they don't want to allow in anything else. It's like people get so attached to like PlayStation versus like Xbox or PC versus Macintosh or Apple versus Android or whatever it is, right? People, Mm -hmm. like technology becomes their life and it like overtakes them. So video games, especially in our industry, where we're playing like a singular game for almost 15 or 20 years, whether it's like Quake or Dota or Counter-Strike or whatever, people get really defensive, um, especially in games that have been around for a long time. So games like Quake, Counter-Strike, Dota, or Street Fighter which have been around for twenty to thirty years have like the most offensive people out of all of the games <laughs> because they're the ones that are holding on to it the longest and have like the most old memories and like they' right. playing it as a kid, and they're very protective in the way that I think they want to approach things, and that makes them very vitriolic in terms of the way that they discuss stuff so hmm. although it makes no sense, obviously all of these games can coexist, okay, video games are bigger than ever. There's like hundreds of millions of people playing games. Valorant coming out isn't going to kill Counter Strike, okay? And it's more of a this is more of an issue I think between fandom than anything. Like whenever this ha- whenever a new game comes out, um, like dead game. It, this is also <laughs> part of it. Like dead game as a meme has like kind of evolved from the Starcraft realm. It didn't really exist before like live streaming kind of took off. But ever since Starcraft two. Started having problems at the end dead game as a meme has just kind of just run its way run its course through every single game at any one time every game has died at least once usually multiple times from Mm -hmm. some other game coming out or something happening. Um, So, like, it's been part of a joke. Part of it is, like, fans and fandom not really looking at things too well and being very protective and then not seeing that multiple games can live, obviously. Multiple communities can coexist at the same time, obviously. And even pro and competitive players can play more than one game. I fully expect... Overwatch League pros and Counter-Strike pros to play their matches during the day and then stream Valorant for five hours every night. Like, I expect that to happen starting tomorrow, and I am, like, 100% sure that is going to happen. So I think it's more problems with the fans. I will give a special shout-out, though. If you are an industry member, and you work in this industry as a commentator, um, or as a pundit, or as a journalist, and you're going out there and talking about how one game is going to kill another game, or you are... Um, state like keeping with that narrative and then trying to push back about how no fucking Counter-Strike will never die like I've seen so many tweets from what I feel like is Counter-Strike like big Counter-Strike personalities talking about how like Counter-Strike will never die Valorant will never be able to kill him and I'm like who the fuck is saying this some random dude with five followers on Twitter getting like two upvotes on Reddit is saying that like Valorant will kill Counter-Strike and then you have to go make like this long ass fucking twit longer about how Valorant is not <laughs> going to kill Counter-Strike or whatever it's totally a un- necessary for people in the industry to not take the standpoint that obviously everyone can coexist we can all play games together and a game is going to die not based on another game coming out games die because they are un- Usually Um,
1: self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, self-inflicted
2: wounds. The the publishers and developers don't take care of the community, don't take care of the game, and people leave for other games. That is why Valorant is such a hot game right now. It's not just because, um, like, there are a few reasons, one of which is that Counter-Strike hasn't really had a competitor for a long time. Every new game that has come out has been a Battle Royale or some type of other shooter. This is the first, like, bomb defusal 5v5 real competitor to Counter-Strike has ever come out. Spike um,
1: diffusal. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, of course. But <laughs> like another big issue and a reason that Valorant is so big is that Apex, PUBG, and Overwatch and Fortnite, all four games independently have problems right now. Mm-hmm. All four communities and pro players from all of those first person shooters all have an issue with the way that those games are being handled, whether it's fucking EA or Epic or Blizzard, um, or you know, PubG PUBG and Player Unknown they're all having problems they're all fucked up and players are pissed off everywhere which is why it's given such a big push for everyone to try Valorant it's not just that valorant is out
1: yeah i think uh valorant i'm I'm pretty excited about it just to at least try it myself at some point but for me it's just it's, you know it's how more aim- about i used to be a counter strike professional player slasher back in the day <laughs> you know why don't everybody laugh when I say that? It's completely because true. Because it's no. a
0: great meme on our <laughs> podcast.
1: But uh,
0: but you genuinely were good, I'm told. Like, the whole you.
1: Overwatch thing, it, it's more about I just have no faith in that game in general. It has less to do with Valorant doing anything. I think Valorant's going to be a good game. CSGO and Overwatch will continue on. Overwatch, again, no faith. But let's move on to Dota 2, since we're running short on time. Um, from your perspective, this is where I really want to pick your brain because, again, we've talked about this ad Ad nauseum in terms of TI every year having the biggest prize pool of all time what is your perspective is that a positive is it a negative is it somewhere in between what do you, what is your perspective overall on that whole issue so i guess i should just
0: elaborate before you answer that i think last season in dota in terms of prize money TI was worth i think it was <coughs> 78 or 79% of the entire year was in that one tournament so that's what we've been talking a lot about like economy of the season. I guess that's what we're weighing him at here. Is that good that TI is that big? And is it good that it keeps trying to beat itself every year?
2: Is it good for the community in the scene? No, probably not. Is it good for Valet's wallet? Well definitely it's mm. definitely buying gaben some more knives, right? Um <laughs> uh, really, I mean if it's seventy nine percent of the prize pool, obviously that is way too much. And that needs to be addressed. Um, in general, I do think that TI has been great for the game and great mm-hmm, for the course, community. For I don't sure. think there's any way like, to get around that. Um, but I think if the percentage really is favored that high, it something does need to change. I think there, the bigger issue is like, TI is great as a whole. And I'm the person that keeps saying that Valve needs to host a a Counter-Strike TI. I think that Counter-Strike not having a TI is bad for Counter-Strike. Even though I've had Dota people tell me, maybe like that not having Counter-Strike for TI is actually good because of what's happening to the Dota scene because of TI. Now, my thing is that, I understand that because of the way that it's set up, that maybe TI is become like a net negative because it's just becoming um, too overpowering for everything else. Like you have teams forming just for TI, and then they don't give a shit about the rest of the season. You have players that don't really care about doing stuff because they only want to win TI, so they don't they won't do media interviews. They won't do like a bunch of other stuff that would like help the scene grow or like stream or whatever. They're just going to scrim and play and not give a shit about things. And then also team owners don't want to invest in Dota because the players have the power in Dota. Uh, Players have negotiation power. That's very off-putting for a lot of the big esports franchises who don't see a reason to come into Dota when Dota players don't give a shit about orgs in the first place. Um, So, like, all of that is, is, is bad. But for me, the bigger issue is this is what happens when Valve doesn't fucking care, okay? Now, it's not that they don't care and they are pretty hands-on with Dodo, way more than they are with Counter Strike in terms of the esports season. And I do get that Valve wants to have DreamHack and ESL make their money, and and you know Starladder and all these independent companies continue on to do their thing. But this is what happens when Valve doesn't want to take control of their games if Valve wants to continue having an open system and allow its partners to run these leagues and allow things to happen, then this is just what's going to happen. Okay, you can criticize Blizzard and Riot all you want for taking everything in-house and how franchising has kind of like hurt the spirit of the games and how there's no more like independency. There's no more like third-party tournaments that kind of... Because there's a lot of cool reasons why Counter-Strike and Dota are better than other games because there's like 54 tournaments in a year or whatever. It's really cool to see all of these lands consistently but at the same time valve's approach is not to fucking handle shit not to touch anything you guys go do whatever you want and i think it's been shown that if you want to have esl dreamhack StarLadder, and whoever else try to all work together in the year they're not great at doing that and they're <laughs> not exactly perfect at creating a good ecosystem so you have valve who has this huge event which makes more money than ever every single year. And from their perspective, why would they want to make less money than the year before on the international? So -hmm. they always want to continue to increase the prize pool, which is then going to only increase the disparity in the percentage between the TI and everything else. And at the same time, they want to have no real control over the rest of the year and kind of can allow the independent leagues to do whatever they want in terms of forming the so it's really like goes against everything that they're doing. If Valve was way more hands-on, which could hurt things in the end, I think it would be way easier because they can kind of organize it in a better way. Right now, the only thing they really care about is TI uh for them as a company and then everything else is just whatever.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So
2: for for me it's more it's how the it's how Valve looks at things which is my bigger issue, um, like the larger issue for the problem.
1: Yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure Cinder is on the same page as me. Between Riot and Valve, I just wish that we had something in between the two. Because we criticize both. Valve is way too hands-off, and in some ways that's really good. Like my YouTube channel blew up Way back in the day, because I could just do whatever I want, we just got free rights to use whatever we want. With Riot, you could never do that. Like for official Spotlight videos, they do their own shit. They're way too strict, and Valve is way too hands off. I just wish to God we found a fucking balance in between. At some See, point. the
2: but problem is Blizzard is kind of the middle ground, and look what happened. <laughs> that there. is
1: the problem. That's true. <laughs> oh, but they fucked up beyond like Though,
2: the idea they really did fuck up, but the execution. Kind of the yeah, the, the, the
1: idea is good. The execution's god awful for Blizzard. Okay, that's interesting. Um
2: but like is that Mhm. Uh, do, like do you feel like Valve should be more hands on or like what kind of conclusions have you come to around this stuff?
1: yeah i think they should be a little bit more hands-on i think uh they don't
2: have a marketing department all right they don't have fucking esports people they don't have anyone they hired casey six months ago okay after what 10 years or some shit i don't fucking know what she does either (laughs) (laughs) so like that is how valve as a company works you go there you work on whatever you want you do whatever you want you don't really answer to anybody except for gaben's inner circle and if you make money for them, then you get big-ass bonuses and you live your fucking life in a mansion in Seattle or whatever, okay? And in that time, if you want to help out the Dota community or the Counter-Strike community, you can. You can do that, but that's no one's real specific job except for Ice Frog in a fucking cave somewhere, okay? And, <laughs> it, and I think it's really, it's really hard for Valve and the way that they're set up as a company to handle esports. They are not at all in the same area. Of how mm-hmm. to handle a- an ever flowing competitive community that requires like a hands on approach, whether it's like event running or player supervision or the prize punny uh disparity or any of that shit. Like, Valve was just not set up to handle all this stuff, they need to fix that to address not just Dota but also Counter Strike. But it doesn't feel like that is ever going to happen. So Counter Strike and Dota are forever in this limbo well, it- of not really ever going to be fully focused on by valve
1: but it's also really weird when you look at like just dota and counter it's almost like there's two different companies running them i mean they have the same hands-off approach in a lot of ways but the way that they do things are completely different it's because it kind of is a different company they're on different floors they're they barely interact with each other if at all like i don't think the teams have like maybe there's a couple members i think they do have have catering game to game though i'm pretty sure they all have catering yeah, that's right. I haven't I been to the it. new offices, so I couldn't speak for that yeah. for sure. But, uh, so last thing on yeah, Dota. I mean, yeah, we've
2: we talking about how, like, how they treat Dota. Fucking Counter Strike here. Gabe went out for cigarettes 15 <laughs> years ago and never came back on Counter Strike. <laughs> Counter Strike grew up to be yeah. a really successful kid. Okay. He is a great job. Um, he is known throughout the world, but Gabon will never tell him that he loves him. Okay. <laughs> all so he does too. is spend all of his time with his little younger brother that he adopted from somewhere else okay and gives him all of his love and just comes every birthday party and every fucking thing that he has to do to make him feel better while counter-strike is over 20 years old now just hit his 20th birthday and gabe cannot even give him a happy birthday one fucking time
1: yeah it's actually kind of incredible because like i said i'm old school counter-strike and i was just used to this for like the valve mentality for such a long time and then dota has been a little bit more hands-on than i'm used to so that was nice uh, it's like getting a little nugget of love from your parent or whatever. <laughs> um, so tell me, it's wrapping up. It's only because up, Gabe uh,
2: likes Dota. It's it's real. It shouldn't ish. be like that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, wrapping up Dota. What I know, you're not a big MOBA fan, but I'm sure you can take like an overarching look at the genre as a whole. Do you think it's on the like perpetual decline? I mean, I think the biggest hurdle for MOBAs in general it's just been the viewing experience it's like very hard to watch um do you think that that will ever change or are we just it's not like a fad like I look at battle royales as almost kind of a fad ish more like maybe auto chess is a better example like super fad genre it's like basically dead at this point so MOBA was very successful but is it like going down the Starcraft RTS route where just eventually going to be you know lower and lower each year
2: Well, Dota, I think player, I don't know how player numbers are doing for Dota right now. I believe they're down. They're down. They're they're down,
0: down. but viewer numbers are up. So people play less and watch more instead of playing. So people don't really quit the game necessarily. They just redirect themselves to more watching and less playing for different reasons. That's been the overall.
2: It feels like league players are still playing. Like, of course, we don't have public. we don't have public data on how many concurrent mm-hmm. players they have, but it still feels like League is doing okay. So maybe this is more of a Dota problem than it is a MOBA problem?
0: Like it's kind of an overblown problem in general, right? I don't think like people love to be up in arms about like like you said, dead game. Yeah, like, yeah. People are like Dota dead Dota dead Game, concurrent players now eight hundred thousand. Six months ago it was one million. It's like, yeah, okay, you know the I fluctuation, guess, new cool games come out. Maybe we, Dota isn't doing anything cool right now, you
1: know? Like, well, we kinda touched I think it's less change. about that. It's more about the approach from Valve where you're not catering right. to younger players, number one. There's zero marketing of the game. And League is doing the complete opposite. So you're it's almost like you have this uh this farm of youngsters in elementary school that you're just teaching very slowly over the years to get into this game this will be good and then you build new games based on that universe uh, runeterra um obviously Valorant, all these other games they've announced like these are going to be a lot of the same audience playing it because they like this universe and with dota it's yeah you have some crazy updates every once in a while but people have to relearn the game it's a difficult game to watch but you're not really catering to any specific audience you know that not the younger generation at least
2: I mean, you know, I think the bigger issue is that uh, MOBA games and RTS games as a whole are always going to be bigger. in Asia. Um, A part of it is the culture of them liking strategy games, usually more often than first-person shooters. So much of American and European online multiplayer gaming culture is shooting games. It's always been shooting games. And for a period of time, between 2009 and maybe 2015, RTS, led by StarCraft II, and then carried by Dota 2 and League of Legends were like the, a big portion of video games. Is an international um, industry, and with China and Korea, you know, getting so huge during that time, and kind of everybody coming together. Um, that was a huge growth for you know that entire MOBA, the MOBA genre, and the whole like over the top look down RTS style of way that you play games. But first person shooters, especially in America and Europe, have always been the bigger games. So when Overwatch came out, and then PUBG came out, everything came flooding back. And then with Fortnite, Apex, and now Valorant um, here you can obviously see how much bigger FPS games are than RTS games and MOBA games. Like there's just no comparison here in America, here in America and Europe shooting games will always be superior. And there's really not much a strategy games can do. I think a strategy Mm -hmm. games will always be, have a huge, um, you know, focal point in China and Korea and that that's, they're never going to leave that. And because they have such a huge focus in Asia, it'll always be kind of doing okay.
1: Mm Okay. Okay. Alright, last topic before we do a trivia section here, um, or segment. We we brought up Epic as a potential fourth seat at this table, if you will. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, we talked about Battle Royales just a bit. Obviously, there's Apex, there's Fortnite, uh, the Call of Duty one is now out. PUBG is basically dead. I mean, that game was more annoying than anything, just to rant. that Barely, it ran like absolute garbage. One of the most frustrating FPS games I've ever played. Um, but the genre itself has kind of stuck around. In terms of like eSports, it's kind of weird because you have like 100 people in some cases playing. It's very hard to keep up. Not sure if it's going to be a huge eSport going forward, but it's still really popular. But Epic specifically, what are your thoughts going forward with them? Are they Why are they a big boy? Is it not just the one game at this stage for them?
2: I mean, this is no longer like a question. They are fourth. They are... For, they are... They're probably ahead of Blizzard at this point, and there's good arguments to be made. They're actually ahead of Valve. <laughs> no, there are really good arguments to be made. They're in second right now, okay. and that um, and like you can't ignore. You can hate on Fortnite. You can think it's for thirteen-year-old kids, which it is, and you can hate that. Hate them saying, "I like Fortnite. I like Fortnite," and you can hate the fucking dances and all that shit. It mm-hmm. is the biggest game in the Western world, and it ju- it just is. Okay, mm-hmm. it is the reason that Twitch broke its traffic numbers through 2019 and 2018. It is a reason that Ninja fucking on TV um, like a million times promoting gaming and esports to like the mainstream. It is the reason that gaming has broken through to the mainstream. So off of Fortnite alone, it needs to get the respect that it deserves. And that Epic is the reason that is there. And specifically just because of Fortnite, Um, Epic is already back in the driving seat. I mean, they, for a long time, were um, really not super relevant in competitive gaming with Gears of War falling off and Unreal Tournament being a complete fucking disaster over that time. I loved
1: Unreal Tournament for its time.
2: Yeah, simple. no, I lo- I loved it, too. But, you know, of course, just like Quake, it was never going to be big. It was also like the shitty version of Quake. So it was never going to be like <laughs> as, as good as Quake. And then they tried to make like Paragon and like that wasn't going uh, well. So like, you know, bad. they got a Fortnite and they created it into such a huge hit that if they if they had just Fortnite, they would still be in the top four easily. Like they are mm-hmm. in the conversation. But since then, they've bought Rocket League. And Rocket League on its own is one of the biggest up-and-coming esports in the world. It has huge viewership. It has a very strong, committed user base who plays that game and continues to watch. Great um, NA
1: numbers, too, which is pretty
2: esports, Yeah, huge NA numbers, great international numbers. And now Epic owns the company. So now they have two major games over there, which are going quite well. And if that was just the case, they'd be doing good. But I think people also forget they make ga- they make engines that make games. Did anyone know what Valorant is running on?
1: Unreal Engine.
2: It's fucking running on the Unreal Engine. You know, I
1: thought for sure Apex was on the Unreal Engine. I was shocked when it was Source.
2: It yeah, feels exactly source.
1: like Unreal. But yeah, that's a very flexible engine. A lot of games use it.
2: So you can't forget that the company who made the engine is like funding the other gigantic major game that we're all talking about. And that Mm -hmm. Epic is making money off of the back end from the (laughs) engine. That is really how Epic makes all their money. And that's where id Software made all their money for a long time. It wasn't the games. It was the engine. Mm -hmm. So all things considered, Epic is like a powerhouse company. Um, They are not going anywhere. They have so much money in the bank to spend on things that I can only see more acquisitions coming. They have the Epic Game Store up now. They're going in direct competition with Steam and Valve. Um, Epic are really doing a lot of great things. They've kind of fucked up Fortnite lately, ironically. They're not... The players are not happy. There are not updates coming. Esports is totally screwed up. Players are quitting. Pro players that are winning tournaments are quitting Like right after to now go play Valorant. So Epic is definitely screwing up right now. And as we mentioned before developers and publishers screwing up their own communities is always going to be more of a reason that people leave the games and other games coming out
1: i think the way that they handled uh i guess the better way to put it um the innovations they created i thought were really cool with fortnite in terms of like changing the map having like these events like things like that are very people from mainstream can really appreciate that that's like the bridge that you need uh, to get the mainstream involved. Yeah, I mean, account. Star
2: Wars is not coming into another game. Like, We will not see that shit in any other competitive esport game Like, in our fucking lifetime. That is only yeah. happening in Fortnite. And people yeah, do have to recognize cool. that it's pretty special.
1: It's pretty sick. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the game, but I can definitely appreciate some of the stuff they're doing. Yeah, would you
0: say the event... So, the event... I've, I'm sure most of our viewers or listeners have heard about it. The Black Hole event in when they announced their... Was it? did they actually just call it Fortnite 2 or did they call it Fortnite Season 2 or whatever? Season what was the word? Season. They call yeah. it Fortnite Season 2? Um, where the game was just taken down for two days and there was just this loading screen of a black hole, basically. So it caught, like, it made shitloads of suspense and there were, like, hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> on Twitch watching a black hole. So uh, cool. Would you say that is the best marketing move in a single video game that you can think of in recent memory or ever? Because we praised it a lot on this podcast when it came out as like a, a stroke of genius, basically. What do you think?
2: Undoubtedly, you you two are right. It, it really was an incredible job by Epic. They had six over six million people watch a fucking black hole. They had four million <laughs> on Twitch, a million on YouTube, almost a million on Twitter, and thirty seven people on Mixer watching <laughs> the black hole. <laughs>
1: I and then a week later, Riot announces six games. That was like an amazing couple of weeks. I'm not gonna lie, that yeah, was, that was fucking a lot sick. happening. Uh, okay, let let's uh, end the podcast with some trivia for both of you. Uh, winner of the podcast can you know brag to all their friends. Cinderin, we'll start with you. This is so we're gonna do: Riot, okay. Blizzard, and Valve. Trivia. Oh shit! Okay, so, Cinderin, Riot is creating an animated television series set in the League of Legends universe, coming out in 2020. A.K.A. This year, supposedly. What's it called? Oh, fuck. We've talked about this on the podcast, man. I can give you a, a hint, but it's going to be kind of a big hint. Uh, give me, give me some options or something. Uh, no, there's let me no think.
0: option. Maybe I can remember this.
1: Uh, just out, out of curiosity, word. do you know you know this slasher? I'm guessing, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's so like, it's to like
0: give... one word in like six or seven letters.
1: Mm-hmm. Close-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You want the the hint? It's it's not coming to me. Sure. This is a big hint. It's a rune in dotes. You get one guess.
2: (laughs) This example means a lot to me, by the way. It's not (laughs) called Bounty. (laughs) No. I'll tell you that
1: much. Uh, It's only like six runes, Cinderin. Wait. The exact name of the rune? Yeah. Wow, are you a professional Dota player
0: or Yeah, I'm just I'm going through all the runes in my mind and it doesn't match with what I remember that wow. show being called then.
1: Okay, well, just take it give a your guess I'm, then. Give it your best guess. I mean Arcane? Yeah, it's Arcane. Congratulations. I just don't, I just yeah.
0: don't remember us I really didn't remember it being called uh, Arcane.
1: and gets like 0. 0.25 points. For I don't that. know if I, I uh, feel like I shouldn't get a point slasher. for that. Slasher, Riot released a tabletop game based in the League of Legends universe. What is it called? No idea. <laughs> Cinder, do you know by any chance? A tabletop game.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go with Rune Terra.
1: Mechs versus minions. That was close enough. And they also announced the creation of an internal (laughs) studio called Riot Tabletop, which has several games in development. That should be interesting.
0: I I thought it was a joke when he said he had no idea. I thought you had like a smirk on your face. Like, of course I know.
1: (laughs) Nobody's played that game. All right. Blizzard. Cinderin. Blizzard has had a few games that were announced but never released, including Warcraft Adventures, Lord of the Clans, Shattered Nations, and of course the rumored MMO codenamed Titan. What other game was postponed indefinitely in 2006 after seven years of development? I feel like this might be a little too easy. Starcraft yeah. Ghost Recon? What was it called? Starcraft yeah. Starcraft Ghost? I yes, think? Starcraft, Starcraft Ghost. Ghost. It was a th- yes. supposed to be a third-person shooter. Would have been quite interesting. Slasher. In 2005, there was a virtual pandemic in World of Warcraft. Name it.
2: I don't know. Fuck that game, too. <laughs> Man, Do you know this you one, Cinder? That. I don't play MMOs. I don't play MOBAs.
0: Uh, I I remember reading about it I don't think I played at the time but I know what happened
1: I don't want to take extra time but I have to I learned about this yesterday my girlfriend told me about it this is fascinating So, the Corrupted Blood Incident was a virtual pandemic in MMORPG World of Warcraft, which began in September of 2005 and lasted for one week. The epidemic began with the introduction of the new raid, blah, 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 and its end of boss, blah, blah, blah. When confronted and attacked, Hakkar would cast a hit point draining and highly contagious debuff spell called Corrupted Blood on players. The spell, intended to last only seconds and function only within the new area... Soon spread across the virtual world by a wave of an oversight that allowed pets and minions to take the affliction out of its intended confines. By both accidental and purposeful intent, a pandemic ensued that quickly killed lower level characters and drastically changed normal gameplay as players did what they could to avoid infection. Despite measure, measures such as programmer imposed quarantines and the players' abandoning of densely populated cities, it lasted until a combination of patches and resets of virtual world finally controlled the spread. And the last thing, the conditions and reactions of the event attracted the attention of epidemiologists for its implications yeah. of how human populations could react to a real-world epidemic. Apparently, it didn't help at all. That is fucking <laughs> fascinating, dude.
0: No, so here's what happened. It actually did happen, and USA is are like, we we watched what happened and wow. Just wait two weeks, we'll get a patch, and then it's going to be on. <laughs> so we're still waiting on the patch. Yeah. Here, but all right, perfect. Yeah, all right, last one.
1: I... Valve, Cinderin. Other than the original Counter Strike, ah, this one's too easy. Other than Why the are you original Counter Strike, I know because I consider I him just swap, less. Informed. Swap them.
0: Swap them then. We can flip them. Give me the harder one. Then. They're both easy, honestly. Okay.
1: Other than the original Counter-Strike and CS Source, Valve actually partnered with a bunch of companies in order to make different versions of CS for Asian markets. They did, however, make a version of Counter-Strike for the English-speaking audience between 1.6 and Source, can you name it? Uh, Counter-Strike Condition Zero? Very good. Nobody played that garbage game. I did. And then <laughs> what?
2: Yeah, they had Riot <laughs> Shields in that game.
1: I actually played the game. Yeah, they that put, was terrible. They implemented Riot Shields into Source, or maybe it was 1.6, as a the result as well. Player, for I
0: remember the single player in Condition Zero actually being relatively fun. I think yeah. that was the only well. thing I played. I don't think
1: I ever played it against other players. But You must have been a real bored kid. were uh, there
0: like these single player challenges or something you could do? I think yeah, so. There was
1: single player something. Yeah. <coughs> Slasher, this one's super easy, I think. We talked about Valve games having recently failed. What is their first failure? Ooh. Ooh.
2: What is their
1: first failure? <laughs> ricochet. What the fuck? Oh, and you ruined shit. it.
2: Yes, that is correct. That Wait, I, what? I wouldn't have. It is that. ricochet. <laughs> I wouldn't even remember that at all. What?
0: I was just. Why is that a failure?
2: are you I kidding i i don't I know of it. i just i just
0: i just remember having when Good i job, downloaded Sindarin. steam I you love all these shitty steam.
1: ass games congratulations cinder wow dude no
0: I, d- I remember i downloaded steam and it came with steam and i was like oh, this is a fun little game i didn't know it was meant to be a big title was that well, a failure dude i i, mean, I didn't a answer it to take it away from me. i have no fucking idea i said it as a <laughs> joke
1: <laughs> thanks cinder for ruining the episode slasher appreciate right, you coming on it. buddy it, it, what? Uh, yeah, sorry you for like...
2: taking so. for talking so much. My bad.
1: No, this is not even the longest episode by any means. Do you have anything? Uh Where can people follow you other than at Twitter Slasher?
2: Um, nah, that's good for now. I don't got shit going on. I might have an announcement kind of soon. Oh. Maybe coronavirus has kind of fucked everything up. So. go on Mixer. Yep, uh, <laughs> yep. It's uh, just your live
1: you... Twitter feed on on Mixer. That's it.
2: Yeah, uh, the total amount of people on this show is how many people Mixer has on the platform. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anything should, else you'd like okay. to... Um, yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. I, re- I do like Dota, by the way. I'm I, I, not a huge fan of playing the genre, but I like Dota, especially more than League of Legends. Fuck that shit. More about being a elitist, okay? I'll pander now to you guys at the very end, so you can love me again.
0: It's a it's a better play to do that in the start, so people don't stop listening to you after two ah, minutes.
2: Yes. Then, no, 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 because there's been like whole studies mm-hmm. done that people listen longer because they hate the person.
0: Right.
1: Oh. Donald that's Trump can't. That's why to he's be... still. That's why he's still in it. Yes, the secret of success. Thank you, Cinderin. Have you seen in Bruges? <laughs> oh, no. Have you seen Imbruge, Slasher? Yes. And? Yes. Verdict? Good. Thank you. That's all we need oh, to hear. Of course. Until next time, Suns fans, Cinder and Slasher signing out. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. bye We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.